I'm so glad that you're here this weekend. If you're a part of the Northridge family, I just want to express my gratitude for your faithfulness. And if you're a guest, I'm excited for your experience. We're one church meeting in four locations, and whatever location you're at, we really, really pray that you'll experience just a little touch of Jesus' hope in your life. And this series is called Unforgettable, and it's unforgettable because each communicator sharing a truth that's impacted them in an unforgettable way. And it's our hope that it makes a difference in your life. We, we got to experience this teacher last year. He's the pastor of Citrus Grove Church in Tampa, Florida. He's, he's no newbie to ministry. He's been serving the church for 18 years. In fact, he was a part of the leadership and teaching team at North Point with Andy Stanley. He was a part of the Buckhead campus, and, and he really does have a lot to share. And so this weekend, right now, I just hope that you'll help me to once again welcome him, Justin Grunwald. Well, thank you very, very much. I so appreciate you guys having me back again. Um, I got to be part of the series last year, and I just think the series is such a great idea. I mean, the fact that your pastor, Brad, will invite people from different backgrounds and different places, even from South Africa, man, that's cool, um, to come in and share something that's been unforgettable to them, that is a cool idea. And for me, it's just such a privilege for me to be here with you again and to get to share something that I think has been incredibly unforgettable for me. In fact, it is something that I I've learned several times in my life and gone through several times in my life, but over the last two years, it kind of hit us again in a big, big way. And so we're kind of walking through this right now as we speak. In a way, my wife and I and our kids, we're walking through this unforgettable thing, and I'm really glad I've learned it because um, it is so important to walk through these moments, these seasons well, and to walk to the other side to be able to look back going, I'm glad I did that well. So my hope this morning is this, that for you, Every single one of you will be able to take something from this idea, something from this truth that I've learned, and hopefully apply it to your life. Here's why. Because no matter who you are, I believe you are going to face this idea sometime in your life. If you've been a Christian for years and years and years and years, um, this is something that you have faced sometime in your life, and it's something that you are going to face again. Um, the other side is if you're here and you're not a Christian, church is not really your thing. The only reason you're here is because someone said, hey, there's someone cute I want you to meet, but you're going to have to come to church with me. And you said, I'll even go to church for that. So you're here. The cool thing is if you're sitting here in a church, you're probably going to face this thing as well. And my hope is that you can take something from what we're talking about today and apply it when this hits, because what hangs in the balance of you applying this idea, this truth, is so much. So I'll stop talking about what I'm gonna talk about and jump in. Let me go back just to give you a, a bit of a picture of how I'm facing this right now, of where we're at. I'm gonna go all the way back to South Africa. I was born and raised in South Africa, and after I got married to a girl from Georgia, wonderful, wonderful girl that I'm just lucky to know, let alone be married to, um, back, got married in South Africa and had two kids, and then we had this incredible privilege of moving to Atlanta, Georgia, and starting to work at North Point Community Church with Andy Stanley and some of the other incredible leaders there. And I grew so much. I loved being there. It was just such an incredible privilege. Um, in my own job, working at the church was wonderful. Being part of a church that's really impacting its community is incredible. Most of you know what I'm talking about. Being part of Northridge here that's really impacting your neighbors and your friends is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I got to experience that. I sometimes call it a bit of an incubator of life and growth. It was wonderful. 
Not only professionally was I really enjoying that season of my life, but also personally. Um, we had bought our first house, and it was wonderful. A little small house in Roswell, Georgia, which is the neighborhood of Atlanta, kind of metro Atlanta. Um, and, and, and it was the first house we bought. My wife's a decorator, and so she decorated our place. I mean, it was just this beautiful little house. We had good neighbors on both sides. When does that happen? I mean, it was good. We had a good, good neighbors on both sides. We also had this really awesome, awesome school for our kids. A school that didn't only invest in their education and academics, but invested in their hearts, invested in who they were as people. And so we loved it. And then to top it all off, we found one of, one of our core values is that we want to have authentic community. We don't just want to have a church face. You know the church face? You're like, blessed, brother. What does that even mean? I don't know. But you know, everybody kind of has this veneer that we put on on Sundays sometimes, and it's so important to get beyond that and to have friends where you can really be you and they still like you. <laughs> it's amazing. And we had friends like that. We dove into authentic community, friends who, who became like family to us, really good friends. Our kids hung out. I mean, it was an incredible, incredible time. And I tell you all that to kind of set you up for where we're going. Because during that season, one of the best seasons of our life, we got a phone call. Near the end of that season, we got a phone call. It was a phone call from someone in the North Point organization that said to us this, Justin, would you consider stepping down from your position at North Point and taking on the lead pastor role at a church down in Tampa, Florida? And we were like, first of all, wow. What an incredible privilege. Wow, you want me to do that and partner with North Point to go and have an impact on a group of people down in Tampa? What we discovered was that in Tampa there were over nine, and there are over 900,000 people who just don't do church. Don't go Easter, don't go Christmas. I mean, church is off the radar. And to be able to be part of something that can impact those people, help those people discover a God who loves them, what an incredible privilege. And so we found ourselves, as we're praying about this, should we do this? this? Should we not do this? Should we do this? Praying and asking people, should we do this? We found ourselves in the middle of something that I like to call the promise of what could be. Because that is awesome. And you have felt this before. When something is ahead, there's this opportunity. There's something cool ahead. Something in your marriage or, or you're single and you're looking ahead to marriage and you're like, wow, it's going to be great. I've met the man of my dreams, the woman of my dreams. It's going to be awesome. The promise of what could be is one of the best feelings in the world. And we talk about that. We love that. And so we're praying and thinking, gosh, can we go down and do something cool in Tampa? And as we're praying and praying and thinking and fasting and praying and going, God, do you want us to do this? Eventually, my wife and I landed on this idea that, yes, we feel like God wants us to do this. And because my wife and I and our kids, we do our best to try and obey God when he asks us to do something because we believe that he really loves us. And as a God who loves us, he wants our best and he has our back. So when he asks us to do something, he has our best in mind. So we do our best, you know, we're not perfect at it, but we do our best to try and obey him every time he asks us to do something. And so we said yes. And then in the middle of the promise of what could be, enjoying the excitement of going on an adventure with God, we were like, this is gonna be incredible, this is gonna be amazing. We had to start taking steps toward that thing that could be. And as soon as we started taking the first step towards the promise, the first step towards that excitement, we started feeling something different. And this is something we don't talk about often. We talk about this, 
But we sometimes don't talk about this other side because as soon as we called the school and said we're taking our boys out the school, something rose up inside of us. And it was the pain of losing what is. The promise of what could be is exciting. And we talk about that and woohoo, yeah, let's do this thing. And then you call your friends and say, we're leaving Atlanta. We're moving away. Tell your son who grew up with my son from the age when he was two years old. We're leaving. I didn't really call, we spoke to them face to face. <laughs> when I have to resign from, our job, from my job, the pain of losing what is becomes very real. When we have to put this lovely little house on the market and sell it, the pain of losing what is is there. And that hurts. That's real. Does it make this wrong? No. But it's real, and we don't often talk about that. And what we discovered is this, that walking into the promise of what could be means leaving the comfort of what is. Every time. Walking into the promise of what could be means leaving the comfort of what is. And do you know what's true about every single one of us? We don't like that. Does it make it wrong? No. Does it make it not God's will? No, but it's true. Every time you walk into the promise of what could be, you have to, in some way, shape, or form, leave the comfort of what is. Think about it. If you wanna build some muscle and get a better figure, you've gotta leave the comfort of chocolate cake every time. And you've gotta leave the comfort of that brilliant lazy boy sofa watching football and you gotta get out and start running like a football player. You gotta start doing it. Leaving the comfort of what is happens every single time you want to walk into the promise of what is. And it's not just true physically, it's true in your heart, it's true in your marriage, it's true financially, it's true in your future, it's true in your relationship with God. There was another time we felt this in a very, very real way. I was 24 years old. And um, last time I was here, I spoke a bit about the, my family growing up, and we had a pretty broken home. Um, there were three divorces in our family, and the middle marriage that my mom um, had was to my stepdad, and they had another son, my younger brother, he's 10 years younger than me. Um, but when my younger brother was two years old, his dad up and left, never to be seen again. Had no engagement with my brother. To make it worse, my brother's birthday is on his dad's birthday, so every single birthday, he's reminded that his dad is gone. It was painful, it was horrible. So he grows up, he's 10 years younger than me, all the rest of our siblings and myself, we've moved out of home, he's 14 years old. And then my mom goes through just one of the worst seasons of her life, just a major breakdown, a major crisis in her life. And she gets to the point where she can't handle having a child anymore. And she basically says, I need to put my son up for adoption at 14 years old. It was tough, and at that moment, I looked into the situation and I knew what I had to do. I knew that I had to say, no way, you're coming to live with us. You're coming to live with me. I was 24, I had no clue what to do in life yet. I mean, I was like, how do you, I didn't have any money. I was trying to figure out everything and soon I was gonna be married soon. And so taking my younger brother at 14 years old into our home was, was what I had to do. The promise of giving him something secure was important. The promise of what could be was very important, very good. But the pain of, of leaving the comfort of what was was hard because that would mean that my wife and I would not have a blissful honeymoon first year. We'd have a teenager down the hall. Our first child would be a teenager. How do you do that? You don't even get to warm up to this thing. We had no money. 
It was hard. It was difficult. We lost the comfort of what was. And yet in that moment, the promise of what could be was important enough to leave the comfort of what was. And in the same way where this Tampa thing came up and the Atlanta, leaving Atlanta, the comfort, the losing the comfort of what was, was okay to walk towards the promise of what could be. And in that season, I started to put words around what I was feeling. And this is an incredibly important and unforgettable thing for me. And I hope you will hear this and take it to heart because something that's so important that we don't often speak about is this idea right here. The pain of obedience. The pain of obedience. Because sometimes in church we go, we gotta obey God and it's the best thing and woohoo. And then we take a step in that obedience and it's painful. You know why? Because sometimes God is gonna reach into your life, into your marriage, into your relationships, into your future that you've got all planned out into your family, into your dating relationships, into the way you do life, into the way you do morals, into how you entertain yourself, and all these things. Sometimes God's gonna reach his big hand into your life and he's gonna say, I want you to do something different. And there is something inside each and every one of us that has this yearning for comfort. And when he reaches his hand in, he's gonna say, I know that's comfortable for you, but I want you to change it. And we're gonna go, what? <laughs> no because we all yearn for comfort. We also yearn for control. We love to control our lives. We wanna have control. I know where this is going. I know what you need to do. I know how you need to do this. We love that. But God's gonna reach in to that comfortable area, to the area that we wanna control, and he's gonna say, I wanna change that. Not only do we love comfort and control, we also love consistency. We want things to stay the same. When things are good, isn't it true? I just wanna leave it. It's good, leave it alone. Sometimes even when things are bad, we'd rather have this bad than the bad I don't know about because that bad is gonna be worse than this bad. We want things to stay the same. And then sometime in your life, and I guarantee it's gonna happen, sometime, and some of you it's happened already, but sometime in your life, God is gonna reach his hand into an area of your life that is comfortable, that you think you have control, which is a myth, by the way, nobody has control over it, disease and you know, relational breakdown, and just proves nobody has control over their life, but we want it, we try to keep it, we try to hold it, I got control, no you don't, but I, I do, I want it. God's gonna reach in and say, I know you love control, I know you love comfort, I know you love consistency, I know you love it to stay the same, I want you to change it. And guess what? That's painful. And when it's painful, you know the first thing that comes to mind? God doesn't want me to feel pain. God's gonna reach in into your life and he's gonna ask you to do something and it's painful. But you know what I've discovered about God? And this is amazing and I'm so glad I know this about him and I hope you will know this too. Because he loves you so much, <laughs> and because he wants you to experience life that is deeper, that is fuller, that is better, because he wants you to understand and know the, the promise of what could be in eternity and what could be in your marriage, in your family, in your relationships, in every area of your life, because he loves you so much, he is going to look at you in the eyes and say, listen, 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 please would you do this? I know it's gonna hurt. 
It is gonna be one of the most painful things you've ever done and you're gonna choose to do it. I know it's going to hurt. And then he's gonna look you in the eyes and say this, but would you do it anyway? It's going to be painful, but would you do it anyway? Because there is nothing that God asks you to do that is not teeming with life, that is not teeming with promise, that is not teeming with hope. So he's gonna look you in the eyes one day, and he's gonna say, listen, I want you to do something. It's gonna be painful, but I want you to do it anyway. And if you do, you are gonna find yourself in one of the most horrible, <laughs> but most amazing and most important seasons or moments in your life. And I've come to call that moment this. The, you'll be in the middle of the pain and the promise of obedience. And when you find yourself in the middle of the pain and the promise of obedience, you're in a place that nobody likes to talk about because you know why? Pain is painful. <laughs> and we don't like pain. Nobody likes pain. And so we don't like to talk about it. We love to talk about promise, but pain is painful. We don't want pain. And yet God is gonna call us to walk in pain towards the promise. And when you find yourself in this position, there is going to be a question that you will have to ask yourself. And some of you are there right now. You're asking yourself this question right now. And here's the question. Will I walk through the pain of obedience to experience the promise of obedience? Will I walk through the pain of obedience in order to experience the promise of that obedience? Here's what I know, and again, I am so glad I know this about God, and if you're here and you're not a Christian, this is important, because you're hearing this pain and promise and pain, and you're like, I don't even know if I believe in the promise, and you're talking about pain, and God wants me to feel pain? What is this about? This is crazy. Let me tell you something. If you're not a Christian, this is so important. If you find yourself here and you ask the question, will I walk through the pain in order to experience the promise of obedience, and you say no, God will still love you. You know why? Because God loves you because of who he is, not because of who you are. God loves you because of who he is, not because of what you do or what you don't do. He, you say no to this, he will still love you, he will still be standing there with arms open wide for you, wanting what's best for you, but you may miss out on something incredible because you're not willing to walk through the pain in order to discover that promise that he has for you. You may miss out, and so because he loves you, he will still be there even if you say no, but he's not gonna leave you alone. He's still gonna be tapping you on the shoulder going, are you ready yet? I know you said no yesterday, but are you ready today? <laughs> I know you said no today, but will you be ready tomorrow? Because I want what's good for you. I want a depth that you will not find until you walk through the pain of obedience to discover this incredible promise. Sometimes we as Christians just talk about the promise and yay. And then we feel the pain and we go, whoa, why is that painful? Is that what my heavenly father wants for me? And he's the one who's called you into it. Some of you know exactly what I mean by this, right? Some of you are walking through this right now, and some of you have walked through this before. 
You have walked through incredible pain in obedience to him. You've done something, you've sacrificed something, you've said yes to this thing where you've walked through pain and you've seen like, I, I don't wanna do this, but this is painful, but you did it. And it was one of the most painful seasons of your life. And yet you would look back at that, that most people would say, I would never wish that on anybody. And you would look back at that. And because of the promise you're experiencing now, you say, I will do that over and over and over, and you're sitting here going, Justin, tell them, because the promise is worth it. You won't believe this, this was so uncanny. Last night, I shared this message to the crowd last night, and when I walked off stage, I checked my email, and I got an email from someone, literally at 6.33 p.m. last night, got an email from someone, and the heading, the subject line was the pain and the promise of obedience. So I thought someone in the crowd had, like, had my email address somehow and sent it to me, and I looked at it, and it wasn't anyone who was here last night. In fact, it wasn't anyone who, was, who even knew that I was here. This couple, I hadn't spoken to them in about six months, and they sent me this email last night. You know what was in the email? It was an update of something that they had done because they walked through a journey where they walked through adoption and they had to make this decision and they didn't know if it was God calling them and they knew it would be painful to walk through this adoption thing and they decided after us talking about this message, the day I shared this message, they were in the crowd and they decided we are gonna do this and they walked through the pain of this adoption. You know what the email said to me last night? It had a picture of a little toddler with a big fat smile on his face and it said, we are exactly one year into the promise. Thank you for the message. And it is awesome. And I was, I had goosebumps all over. <laughs> it was amazing. Hearing from this couple, I emailed them back saying, do you know where I am? Do you know what I'm doing? It was crazy. This couple had walked through the pain and they would say, we'll do it over and over and over again because they're sitting in the promise after walking through the pain. There's a couple in our church, this couple, um, one of the most incredible couples I know, several years ago, their marriage blew up because of infidelity. And it was a mess. And the easiest thing for them to do was to walk away. I mean, it was a mess, a royal mess. And the easiest thing for them to do was to walk away. And yet God called them to say, no, I have something for your marriage and I want you to fight for it. And then a lot of us Christians would go, okay, I pray on Monday for my marriage, and on Wednesday, it's bliss. No, there's pain in obedience. And they walked through years of figuring it out, years of rebuilding trust, years of counseling, and yet if you meet them today, you will look at their marriage and you will go, man, I wish my marriage was like yours. And you know what they would say? Those were some of the most painful years of their life, but they would do it over and over and over again because the promise of obedience is worth it. You know why? Because life comes from obedience every single time. There's nothing that God would ask you to do that doesn't carry life in it. Life comes from obedience every single time, even when you think something inside you is dying. Life comes from obedience every single time. In fact, there's a principle in that, and that's this, that life is only made possible when something dies. Have you ever thought about that? Life is only made possible when something dies. The only reason you can be sitting here is because of the bacon you ate this morning. Something had to die for you to eat that bacon. I don't wanna get personal, sorry. I don't wanna get gross, but something had to die. 
Every bit of food you eat, and if you're a vegetarian, you're like, ah, terrible. The plants had to die for you to eat that. There's something, life is only sustained when something dies. Jesus spoke about this very clearly in John chapter 12. He said this, very truly, I tell you, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies. I don't like dying. Neither do I. Nobody does. And it's painful. Dying is never fun. We try to make it, yeah, I'll sacrifice. It's never fun. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Think about that. If you hold a seed in your hand, this is one of the most amazing things to me. It looks like a piece of dirt. It looks like you can throw it away, worth nothing. And yet inside that seed is life. How does that work? It's incredible. Inside that little weird looking piece of whatever it is, is life. Enough life to feed all of us. If you plant one seed of of wheat and let it grow and produce more seeds and plant that and let it grow and produce more seeds and plant that, it will eventually have enough life to feed a nation. It's amazing. There is life in a seed. We have this incredible oak tree in our yard, um, in our front yard in, in Tampa. It's this live oak. And an arborist looked at us, looked at it, and told us that this tree is about 350 to 400 years old. It kind of goes across our entire front yard. It is beautiful. Where did it start? One silly little acorn with life in it that has produced life for 350 years. But the only way to access that life is if you drop that seed in the ground, bury it, and watch it get destroyed. Have you ever found a seed after the life that it produces has been produced? Nope, it's gone, it's dead, it's destroyed. But the life is there, life is only made possible when something dies. That's how life is made possible. And it's not only true in nature, it's true in our faith, It's true in our relationships. It's true in your future. It's true in your relationship with God. It's true in your marriage. It's true in your business. It's true in your finances. It's true in every part of your life. Jesus spoke about this very clearly when he was speaking about how he was going to bring life. And then, as Jesus always done, he says, it's not just me. Let me tell you how it affects you as well. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16. We'll put it up over here. You can read along with me. Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? The Son of Man was a title that Jesus had, so they knew he was talking about him. And they were all excited because everybody's excited at Jesus doing miracles. He's teaching these incredible things about God. And so they say, wow, wow, Jesus, this is what they're saying. Look at the next verse. It says this, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Obviously, they didn't really know but they were excited that some, he's probably gonna bring some life, some blessing from God. Jesus got very specific with his disciples and he asked them this, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered with a very famous, famous quote, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now that word Messiah, underlined that because Messiah was the person, was the, the, the savior that God would send to Israel to bring all the promises that God had promised Israel. So they were excited about the promises becoming real. You're the one, Jesus. You're gonna bring promise. You're gonna bring hope. You're gonna bring life. It's gonna be incredible. And Jesus looks at Peter and says this, 
Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. There was another name for him. It's kind of weird. Why did he have six names? I don't know. But he called him that, okay? That was one of his names. So he said, Jesus, blessed are you. In other words, yes, you're right. You're right about that. And then Jesus turns a corner, and Peter hated the fact that Jesus turned this corner. We don't like it, but Jesus understood that life is only made possible when something dies. And so four verses later, look what Jesus says. From that time on, Jesus began to explain. So yes, you're right, I am the Messiah, I will bring promise. But he began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. What? Life, hope, promise must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, Peter's listening to this, and he's so excited about the promise of what could be, and yes, this is going to be amazing. So he's freaked out by this. He's going, what do you mean, killed? And look at his response. He responds like I respond, maybe like you respond. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. That's not smart. Began to rebuke Jesus. Never, Lord. Have you ever said that? Never, Lord. I know I have. You say, you want me to do this? Never. That's painful. You don't want me to feel pain, do you? Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And quickly, Jesus looked at Peter, and look at how he responded. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Ow. You are a stumbling block to me. And look what he said. This is so important. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but only or merely human concerns. What are our concerns? Human concerns. Comfort. Control. Consistency. Those are my concerns. I want to be comfortable. I want to have control. I want things to stay the same. Jesus looked at Peter and said, you're only worried about human concerns. You do not understand that the promise of obedience is only available through the pain of obedience. And then Jesus, unfortunately or very fortunately, turned to the rest of the disciples and said something so important to them, and by implication, so important to you and to me. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Ouch, I don't like that, I know. Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, who wants to save their life? I do, all of us do. We all wanna save our, that's why we live like we do. We all wanna save our lives. Whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. That's not like a major spiritual thing. One day you're gonna die. You're gonna lose your life. That beautiful house you live in right now, someone else is gonna live in it. That amazing car you just bought, it's gonna break down. You wanna save your life, I wanna save my life, but guess what, we're all going to die one day. We are all going to lose our lives. And then Jesus introduces an idea that is so powerful. He says, but whoever loses their life on purpose for me in obedience to me will find it. Obeying Jesus brings purpose to that death that we die. Obeying Jesus always brings purpose to the death. And losing something through obedience to him brings meaning to that loss every time. He gives us this option. We're gonna lose our lives. We're gonna lose everything we have. But if we choose to go, okay, God, I will obey you. I will intentionally lose something and walk through the pain of obedience. It brings purpose and life and fulfillment 
that we may never discover outside of that. It's incredible. Every single time, that's how we find it. And then we find ourselves, when we do that, we find ourselves in the middle of that horrible yet incredible moment called the pain and the promise of obedience. So, let me get a little personal. Where are you? What is God asking you to do? In what area do you know that God is saying, hey, 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 I know you're comfortable, I know you wanna do this, but where are you in that area? Is God asking you to do something? Maybe it's a faith thing, where you've been like holding back on this Jesus thing, and you've been coming, and there's something stirring in you, but you're holding back, and you don't really wanna step over the line of faith. Maybe it's a faith, maybe it's a marriage thing. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that you need to make a decision about. Maybe it's a travel thing that you need to go, you know what, I need to stop, I need to obey God in this, and I don't want to, it's comfortable. Maybe it's a ministry thing, and you've been feeling like I gotta do something for God, and God's going, I want you to do something, and you're like, no, it's too hard, and he says, I know. Where are you? What is God asking you to do? Because at some point in your life, he's going to ask you to do something. And I wanna warn you, my my goal today, is to invite you into the pain of obedience so that you can experience the promise of that obedience. But let me warn you, and I've said it a bunch of times, but I'm gonna say it again. It's painful, and we don't want it to be. It's painful. And because it's painful doesn't mean it's not God. It's painful. And I wanna kinda up that warning because for some of us it's going to be extremely painful. Sometimes it won't be that painful, like God wants you to maybe buy someone's lunch and it's your $30, you know? My money, I don't wanna give you my money, but it's just $30 and you give the money and you kinda carry on. It's painful, but you kinda move on. For others of us, it's extremely painful. Think about Jesus, what was the pain of his obedience? Death on a cross. There's another guy who the pain of his obedience was ridiculous and yet the promise of his obedience has caused him to have more influence in this world than almost every other person ever, almost. Jesus probably beats him. (laughs) The guy by the name of Paul the Apostle. The promise of his obedience was incredible. The impact of his life was incredible. But you know what the pain of his obedience was? I wanna read a portion of a letter that he wrote to some people where he explained the pain that he had gone through. Now you gotta bear with me and you take a few deep breaths because this list goes on. It's crazy, look at what he said. I have worked much harder, been in prison far more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones. Okay, that's pretty bad. He continues, three times I was shipwrecked. Oh my gosh, Paul. The pain of his obedience was ridiculous. And yet he trudged and walked and never, even though the promise of his obedience felt like it was getting so dim, he could hardly see it. He said, I know what God has asked me to do and I will walk through the pain. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Let's keep going. I have labored and I have toiled and I have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Paul's pain of obedience was ridiculous. Was that God's will? I guess. 
He walked to the promise of obedience and he walked through that pain and he found the promise. It's incredible. It's incredible. And for some of us, the pain is going to be bad. And I wanna tell you this today because when it's bad, the first thing we do is say, this can't be God and we step back. But if we know, it's gonna be painful. <laughs> There's more of a hope to walk to the promise. Now quickly, I wanna get practical and say this. How do you know? How do you know if it's God? How do you know if God's asking you to do something? How do you know this is God? Because is it just me that I have too much pizza last night? And it's like, like, what am I doing? Is this God that he's asking me to do something? Well, there's some really practical steps that you can take. The first one is this, look at scripture. Look at scripture. Scripture is filled with instructions and, and things that God asks you to obey him in. And if you look at that and walk into those, some of those are easy, some of those are no-brainers, like duh, you gotta do that. Some of them are very, very hard to do, but look at scripture and then obey it. Second one is this, and you guys are privileged in this church to be able to listen to practical teaching. Listen to practical teaching, and when you hear something that you should apply to your life, go do it. Try your best, apply it. Walk through the pain of that in order to experience the promise. Then also this, ask wise, godly people. You've got tons of them in this church. Find some wise, godly people and say, hey, I'm thinking I should do this in my life, my marriage, my future. What do you think? Is this God? And get wise, godly advice. And lastly, pay attention to the tension in your heart. Pay attention to the tension in your heart because if you've done all these and there's still this tension going, I want you to do it, Hey, follow, do it. Because the pain of obedience always, always leads to the promise of obedience. Everything God asks you to do is filled with life and hope and promise. Last thing I wanna say is this, and then we're done. You don't know what hangs in the balance of your obedience to God. You have no idea and if you could go 10 years ahead and look at this, this, this tension you're feeling now, should I, shouldn't I? You don't know what hangs in the balance. There is so much. Think about Jesus. What hung in the balance for him? If he fell to the pain of obedience, and he nearly did in the Garden of Gethsemane, you may have heard about that prayer he prayed. He said, God, if, please, if I don't have to do this, I don't want to. Nevertheless, like that song we heard, thy will be done, your will be done. What was at stake if he didn't do that? All of our faith, all of the impact, the connection with God that we are so graciously given, that hung in the balance. What hung in the balance for Paul? If he didn't do that, the impact he had on the known world then and the impact they had on the rest of the world and Christianity as a whole, what hung in the balance for Paul? So much. What hangs in the balance in your life? You know, I think about that, that story I told about my brother coming to live with me. And I'm so glad we did this. I didn't know what hung in the balance. But what I found is that my brother has gotten to the place where he is, is living his life really well now. He's become successful as a business guy. I mean, it's incredible. He's doing, he met a, a wonderful woman and they got married. And, and I mean, it's incredible to watch. I am so glad I walked through that. And then three months ago, I got a phone call from him from South Africa, and I was in tears. I couldn't talk. I was sobbing like a little girl. It was amazing. Because he told me this. It was amazing. He said, Justin, there's this little seven-year-old boy who doesn't have a home or parents right now. And me and my wife, one and a half years into marriage, are going to take him in and foster him and adopt him. And I was crying. What hung in the balance? 
of a 24-year-old saying, I'll take my younger brother in and I don't know how I'm gonna do it and it's gonna be awkward and it's gonna be hard. What hung in the balance? I don't wanna take too much credit because I don't know if this is there, but this little boy now. What hung in the balance for the people who started this church, who've invested in this church? You did. And what hangs in the balance in your life? What if, what if everyone sitting here chooses today that when the time comes, I am willing to walk through the pain of obedience to experience the promise of that obedience. My goal today is simply this, to invite you, to invite you into something weird, I know, but to invite you in to consider walking through the pain of obedience so that you can experience the promise of obedience to God. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are an incredible, an incredible God who loves us and has our backs and wants what's best for us. We are so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, I pray for the person walking through pain right now that they will know that this isn't outside of your will. This isn't something wrong. They're not doing anything wrong. They're walking through the pain of obedience, obeying you, following you, and they're walking towards a promise that you've given. Father, give us the strength to walk through that. Don't let us lose sight of the promise as we walk through the pain. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here. If you need to speak to someone, sorry, if you need to speak to someone, there will be some people over here. If you need to pray, if you need to ask some wise, godly people about advice as this God, there will be some people in the front. And if you wanna connect with the church in any way, have questions, you can fill in a connection card, drop it in the boxes at the back. God bless you, have a great week.